Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, April 14th, 2015. Already we're deep into the 21st century. Uh, last week, hats were thrown into the ring, the circus ring, that is, for the 2016 presidential election selection. <laughs> I saw, I saw with my own eyes on the tally two Republicans. They declared that they wanted to run for the highest office in the land. And both these guys, both of them, Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, both stated that climate change is not happening. They must believe there are lots of voters, <laughs> lots of voters who deny uh, our catastrophic ecological crisis. Uh, well, if Miami is underwater by next November, they may change their minds, but I'm not counting on it. If my parents were alive today, yes, <laughs> they would say that fact Free fascism in a police state is our reality. Oh, mother would opt for no-nothing nihilism, of course. My parents were both born in 1902, 113 years ago, so I guess they're out of date. <laughs> I'm also... Far behind the times, because I was born in 1933. You remember that uh, <laughs> that year, that banner year in which Adolf Hitler came to power back before the Second World War. Now, uh, it was after that horrendous war that these United States... Uh, moved into place, yes, as top dog in this world. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I think that's the, what is it? The mid-20th century. I see it. It's history's hinge, you know. Mm -hmm. One of those transitional moments, the Soviets had more or less won that war, World War II. At least in Europe, they won that war. But uh, this only reinforced our belief that they, the Russians, were 
the new enemy. <laughs> I think, I think I learned it in uh, grammar school. Uh, we said, if mommy is a commie, then you gotta turn her in. You remember that little song, of course. Everybody knows all that nowadays. Uh, Russia's revolution back in 1917. You remember all that stuff. Uh, all those things about ten days that shook the world. Everything that happened to the Soviet Union uh, was going to change things. And, of course, it did. Uh, actually, a generation or so later... Some young people uh, looked at the scene and they still think Ronald Reagan won the Cold War. You notice that? Uh, on the news recently, I observed that Russia, not the Soviet Union, we don't have a Soviet Union anymore, it melted or disintegrated back when Gorbachev became an optimist. Oops, <laughs> mistake, yes. I dreamt I saw Mikhail last night, as wise as you and me. Oh, he had such a wonderful, wonderful idea. Anyway, Glasnost, you remember. In any case, I noticed that these days President Putin is the latest bad guy. Well, one of the new bad guys, it's obviously easier to argue with. Russia than with China. <laughs> anyway, what matters, of course, is that uh, the United States was, once upon a time, was a sort of republic before World War II, at least that's what we thought, and after the war, it became an empire. You know that moment I... Uh, Recently, I was jabbering on about my favorite TV show, Rome. I love it because it shows the moment in history when the Roman Empire became, uh, what is that, a dictatorship, I guess. You know, Julius Caesar uh, was trying to do the right thing. And, of course, they, they killed him because they thought he was a tyrant. And then, of course, they became... Uh, triple tyrants, all three of them. Yes, uh, Anthony and uh, Lepidus and uh, Caesar Augustus. You remember all that wonderful stuff. Uh, anyway, now, uh, in America today, we've got something I guess we I call Pax Americana. You know, it's been half a century since the Second World War. Well, no, wait a minute, 70 years on. It's 70 years on. And we see our nation, our beloved country, struggling to hang on to its place, its spot at the top of the pyramid. Now, nation-states uh, are not as powerful as they once were. Um, so getting a bit fuzzy. <laughs> Al Gore's always talking about fuzzy. Yes, getting a little blurred. Because... Uh, International corporations are practically nations in themselves. Uh, I mean, who owns us? Who owns them? Who calls the shots? The World Bank? Uh, the International Monetary Fund? All those fabulous institutions 
that control the economies of this world. They are the boss of things. As my kids used to say, who's the boss of it? Got to know who's the boss of it? Who's the monarch, the ruler? The aristocracy. Uh, our nation is controlled by an oligarchy. Probably the biggest, richest oligarchy in human history. It's made up of men who can buy the power. I mean, it's their store. That is, they choose the elected men, the selected men. I remember when Reagan was elected, I, uh, I had bumped into Reagan once a hundred years ago back in Laguna Beach when I was a teenager. And we all could see that Reagan was an extraordinary actor. Uh, he turned into uh, what I can only call a father image. He wasn't a very good father, actually, if you study his life, but never mind that. Uh, the symbolism is all that matters. And for some reason or another, men loved Ronald Reagan. He cheered them up. Uh, anyway... A lot of optimistic folks these days uh, want to believe that elected officials truly represent the voters who elected them. I learned all of that stuff in the eighth grade in my civics class. You remember civics class? I think some schools till, still teach civics, you know, how to pass a bill and what is a representative government. And in fact, uh, I think the truth is that it is wealth which selects each and every representative. Uh, <laughs> liberal values, of course, are still in the running. We have to we have to keep up a good front, uh, as the uh, as the TV show Rome points out to one of the innocent, naive. Uh, young men running for office. He said, don't you understand? Uh, we have to have a straw man, you know. We can't, we can't, uh, it has to look right, you know. Uh, of course, we know who's going to be elected, that kind of thing. Sometimes uh, some of these guys, some of these liberal guys, actually win office. I remember Jimmy Carter and, you know, the kind of thing. Uh, it looks good, you know. Uh, the Left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, that kind of thing. Uh, now, I suspect that Barack Obama is a liberal thinker, uh, a guy who grew up in so many different lands. Uh, Indonesia at age 12. Now, obviously, that was a reality sandwich. His stepfather explained the role of the poor in society. Uh He's certainly cosmopolitan, Barack, that is, Barack Obama. He sees the big picture, the haves and have-nots, the have a little, have a lot, all that stuff around the globe. You know, the right wing believes that uh, for this reason, he's, in, he's un-American, you know, because he's cosmopolitan. Uh, actually, I guess uh, he's a Democrat, you know, but... He's seen as alien, uh, probably. Well, his paternal roots are in Kenya. You remember, uh, 
all that. Uh, his father got a grant to study in Hawaii, and uh, that's where he met Barack Obama's mom, Anne Wright. Anne is such a wonderful story. Nobody ever mentions her anymore. Mm, she's an all-American girl. Anyway, Barack's birth in Hawaii is somehow or another, you know, it's not quite, not quite, um, uh, what is it, not quite USA. Uh, I don't know why that is, but uh, it's just that feeling they have, you know, it seems kind of foreign. Uh, anyway, it's certainly not middle America, you know. Uh, his mother and her parents are as old-style American grassroots as you could find. His mother's dad fought in World War II, for Christ's sakes. That would be his primary uh, male role model. And he certainly, uh, his uh, grandfather was certainly a model American guy. On the other hand, I think a lot of left-wing Americans, like me, find Barack Obama too cautious, um, too wary. I give him a break, cut him some slack. I say he's pragmatic. Hmm. He's clearly a progressive human being. You know, <laughs> of course he believes in same-sex marriage and all that good stuff, uh, just as Hillary does, but they have this worldly wisdom, and they know that you can't go too far. <laughs> anyway, those drones are certainly proof that Obama's Nobel Peace Prize was premature, to say the least. Now, you read his autobiography if you have any serious questions about his ideology, that is, about where his heart lays, but lies, lays. His heart lies with the uh, the future and about, uh, it's all about a multicultural society, blah, blah, blah. His hopes for the world are certainly there uh, in his autobiography, Dreams of My Father. Now, that book's a serious, serious literary work. goes on the shelf with um, James Baldwin, with Richard Wright, with all the autobiographies of men of color who have uh, grown up in these uh, United States. Now, his later work, the later writings, you know, about change and everything, they illustrate his recognition that politics is the art of the possible. Do what you can, but survive. <laughs> As Clinton goes to say, you got to get elected. That's number one. I am grateful that the president uh, has survived. I only hope he can win a few before he leaves the White House. I heard Fidel Castro say that Barack Obama is an honest man. Honest was his word. He doesn't say that he does the right thing, but he does say that he is honest. Now, I heard that. Fidel Castro has been at odds with the U.S. government, with our presidents, ever since forever. 
at least since the 1950s when he took over Cuba. Now, the recent changes in our relations with Cuba promise some good stuff, some good change, Raul. Castro is certainly uh, a grounded kind of a guy. Uh, I'm going to hope that the future may bring into being the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, capitalism and communism, blah, blah. Of course, it's the worst of both worlds while we're at it back in 1957. Fidel Castro was my dream date. Well, I was 23. Anyway, he was the revolutionary romantic hero of that age. Then, then Cuba became a theme park for a socialist society. Uh, the economic sanctions were, I think, cruel. I was afraid that corruption would sweep away the ideals and the practices of what I hoped was an egalitarian nation. I mean, the good stuff, literacy, overnight. Uh, Cuba sent more doctors around the world than any other nation golly, you know. Do the right thing. Now, I assumed that the closeness of the United States and the influence of all this money, especially in Miami, all this wealth, uh, might bring about, uh, let's call it corruption, doom. I think that uh, Castro hung on. It was just amazing to me. Uh, decade after decade, somehow or another, he kept the whole thing going. Of course, everyone says that everything there is, <laughs> what is it called, uh, uh, Entropied. It's all back in the 1950s, the cars and stuff. And it gets depressing, they say, because there's no new stuff. I kind of like the idea, especially uh, the music. Uh, couldn't get any better than it was and still is. Uh, in my parents' time, that is before, back before Castro's Cuba, my folks said that Cuba... Oh, Cuba was the whorehouse of the United States. I'm not sure how true that was, but surely there was an element of truth. Um, like our military presence in the Philippines, the abuse of native populations was, is a dark practice. Certainly not a secret and by the way, it seems to be an ongoing practice, if the news has any of its facts straight. I guess it's called the spoils of war. Uh, you know, uh, recreation for the warrior. Mm -hmm. Oh, golly. Uh, some little changes, Blackwater, you know, maybe somehow or another. There is justice being done here and there. The only, the only thing new in this abuse of conquered peoples in their home countries, uh, abuse of a criminal nature, uh, is this business of 
the abuse of children. It's a new wrinkle, but of course I'm afraid children have always been at risk. I think maybe it was just hidden back in the day. Uh, I mean, even the use of child soldiers turns out to be nothing very new. It's just that the so-called civilized nations tried once upon a time to preserve their dignity by uh, passing laws, you know, about waiting till their boys were 18 to die, you know, do their patriotic duty. Um, there were teenagers, of course, in the Civil War. I always think of Rudyard Kipling's line, if they ask you why we died, tell them this. Our fathers lied. What hit me this past week when I heard those two Republican candidates, those con men, say that all is well and what is needed is more, more expansion, more gobbling up the environment, the resources of the earth makes more jobs, you know, all that bit. What hit me is how ashamed I am. All these years, uh, to be as old as I am, and I'm still living in a world where these absurdities continue. Voltaire had it down when he wrote, those who can make you believe in absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Right on. My uh, rants here on the radio are hardly part of a solution. I remember back in 1992, Al Gore was running for office then. Well, he was running for vice president with Clinton. Uh, when he ran for president, he was doomed again. Al Gore had published a book titled Earth in the Balance. Now, all the stuff about the ecology and, uh, uh, oh, let's see, the Gulf Stream, it's all in there, all the inevitable catastrophes, uh, uh, mass extinction, oh, the oceans, the oceans break my heart. Anyway, everything is on their way to uh, disaster unless we stop, stop. Cease our suicidal choices. Uh, I think back to when I was a little kid and how it was then and the air and the water and the sea especially. That was my magic, magic place. Think of one summer in 1943. I was swimming at a beach in La Jolla in Southern California. Oh, it was called The Cove. Some Marines were there rehearsing their amphibious landing, they called it. I was confused. Uh, they wanted to land on the beach, you know, uh, for an invasion. Now, I said, Europe is over there across, it's over there across the Atlantic. I said, it's in the other direction. This is the Pacific, boys. Uh, they laughed, and later, about a week later, I think it was, they 
performed their amphibious landing for a large audience every year. There was something called the Rough Water Swim. People came down to watch the people swim from La Jolla to Del Mar. And uh, uh, let's see, there was a, a younger ones, junior, junior event that I tried one year. I didn't get very far. Anyway, uh, uh, the best one, the best time was when Johnny Weissmuller came. He went out on a surfboard. He and Boy, the actor who played Boy, is showing off to, to s- let everybody see what uh, terrific swimmers they were. Anyway, the Marines sent their landing boats up onto the shore, and they were, you know, Carrying their weapons, they had flamethrowers. No kidding, flamethrowers. At some point, there were some explosions under the water. Kaboom! Okay, dead fish. For days, for weeks. What a mess. The outrage of those of us who were disgusted with these guys turning their war into a sort of movie on our beach. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I think I think I was so angry, but our anger, well, the anger of so many people uh, was muted by those who felt it was patriotic after all. You know, so our boys, they were having so much fun, you know. The flamethrowers burned the inside of my favorite cave there. At the time, my father was over in the South Pacific on a hospital ship. He sent me a picture of uh, a friend of his, a doctor who was killed. I found it the other night in my uh, photo albums. My mother, on the other hand, she tried to hide the war from me. She always tried to hide the bad stuff. You know, it was too much for the children, she thought. Uh, I remember seeing newsreels, pictures of the death camps in Europe after the war, came to the local movie house in La Jolla. Uh, horrific, you remember those horrific pictures. Uh, today in the uh, in mail, I received a book about the Holocaust the pictures, it's the same pictures I saw in the newsreels. Title is Our Crime Was Being Jewish, written by Anthony S. Pitch. Hundreds of Holocaust survivors tell their stories. This is uh, one of the more horrific books. And I don't know, it's the sort of thing I guess I would hide from children if I could. Uh, the pictures of the the uh, the dead, the corpses looking like broken sticks. There's a picture of a suicide, a man clinging to an electric fence in a concentration camp. Maybe the worst picture is of two little boys alive before before their deportation and murder. Little guys, five-year-old and a two-year-old. Avram and Emmanuel Rosenthal in the ghetto in Lithuania. These adorable little boys with stars on their shirts. I guess that is the worst picture. Uh, I think, I think, uh, 
I wish I didn't have to stop here because I wanted to end on an up note, but I got distracted by this book that came to me in the mail. Uh, all I had to do in that time, you know, was go to an older woman and uh, ask her what I had seen on the screen. And she kept telling me over and over again that it could never, never happen again. Never, she said, it would never happen again because we, America, we had won. I'll be back on the air again next Tuesday. Till then, this has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Here's another community-powered announcement from KPFA. Caribe presents its 11th annual festival of Cuban and Caribbean dance and music. Thursday, April 24th and Saturday, April 26th at 8 p.m. will feature Dance of the Caribbean Soul at Laney College Theater, 900 Fallon Street in Oakland. Call 510-403-1601 for tickets. Funds raised will benefit the Dance Brigade for the preservation of Caribbean cultural traditions. You're welcome to experience the Dance of the Caribbean at Cuba Caribe's 11th Annual Festival of Cuban and Caribbean Dance and Music. To learn more, call 510-403-1601 or visit www.cubacaribe.org. Tomorrow, April